0: Greetings, Grave Robbers, and welcome back to Not the Television Graveyard. TV's Noah here, and uh, this is a, another weird episode of the Stay Doomed podcast. Uh, so, a few things I just want to go over. Uh, I got very sick over the holidays. I uh, still have a touch of it, still have a cough. I uh, was able to get through Christmas without too much of an issue, uh, but I tested It is not covid But just, you know, some illness which is just kicking my butt. Uh, As a result, uh, I still have a cough, which has made recording nearly impossible. And uh, we haven't really watched anything. Uh, So unfortunately, the Christmas special did not happen. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday, which is the day that this goes up, uh, just because this is the first time that I've had the energy and the lack of coughing to do this And uh, this is the first time, I think, in Stay Doomed history that we completely missed an upload. There's been a few times where I've put up, you know, we're going to come out late, or uh, I put out just a, hey, sorry, no episode, but, you know, here's something just to let you know that we're still rocking and rolling. I think this is the first time, I think, in Stay Doomed history where there was just not an upload. So I apologize for that, but uh, it was not something that we could make happen. Uh, As for this week, uh, as I've been sick, uh, I've been doing some reflecting. And uh, as this is a show about... uh, television shows that have disappeared. This is a podcast about one-season wonders or some that last only one episode. I've been reflecting a lot about podcasts in general and podcasts that I've done. And I've appeared on... appeared the wrong word for an audio podcast. I've spoken into a microphone for many podcasts. Uh, podcasts like Super Crappy Fun Time, Bob and Dave Are Terrible People, We Are the Geek... Uh, countless other ones. The Derek Badacheck show, uh, Breaking Badacheck, The Panic Hour, uh, just to name a few. And I noticed that many of them kind of have vanished. These were recorded quite some time ago. And uh, the people who created those podcasts decided that they didn't want to host it anymore. And uh, they've kind of just poofed off the internet, not to be found ever again. So I wanted to take some time and try to archive some of my past podcast appearances uh, just so that they never vanish and disappear. So this is a podcast that I did in 2014 called The Dreamer's Podcast with my good friend Super Joe Pardo. You can subscribe to Super Joe Pardo and also Joe Pardo Gaming uh, if you want to support him. Uh, He's all about making your dreams come true. He's a business and financial guy. and uh, We had him on the Plus Two Comedy Podcast back in the day, and he was nice enough to have me on his podcast. So I don't want this to disappear forever. So I'm grabbing it and I'm putting it on my feed. Uh, so, support Super Joe for, for creating this podcast uh, forever ago. And uh, just remember that this was forever ago. So, the plugs at the end all really don't exist anymore. Except for High Note Humor's open mic at the tap Room, which is still going strong. And will actually have its 11-year anniversary on uh, this upcoming Wednesday in January. What's the date of that? I'm pulling it up now. Uh, the 3rd, January 3rd will be our 11th year anniversary. It's crazy that it's been going that long. Uh, I also say things like plus two comedy members will and Vegas. They're no longer part of the group. I also say things like my favorite comedians, Chris Hardwick and Louis CK. I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, this was 10 years ago. So I just wanted to get that out in the open there uh, i hope you guys enjoyed this uh, we'll be back with normal episodes hopefully next week uh, but until then uh, i'm gonna drink some orange juice and enjoy me and super joe pardo on the dreamers podcast
1: hey dreamers i'm joe pardo and today i'm talking with noah Hulhan, who is making his dreams come true through stand-up comedy and podcasting glad to have you on the show noah glad to be here why don't you get started by giving some background about yourself?
0: Basically, uh, I am a stand-up comedian. Uh, I founded the group Plus Two Comedy. We are a nerd-based stand-up comedian group. We tour the country doing comic book and anime conventions, and we do jokes specifically for the nerd audience.
1: What well, would you like? To, <laughs> would you like to give some examples?
0: Oh, so you just want me to do stand-up? You brought me here to perform. Uh, <laughs> the way it got started was. Me and my friends were always joking around. We're doing these jokes about video games we're playing and the animes we're watching. And we would always make each other laugh. But then when we would go to do actual stand-up... Nobody cared about my Pokemon jokes, like, at all. I was like, what's wrong with the world? So we came up with this idea. It's like, well, we should try to go to where our audience is. So we would go to Otakon or Comic-Con, and we would do our sets there. And it was just, it was a good way for us to reach the people that would understand our version of comedy.
1: That's a really great thought to have, to go to where people would most want
0: to hear you with those jokes. Because, yeah, most people wouldn't know. Exactly. So we knew we were funny. We just didn't find (laughs) the people that agreed with us for a while. So that's what we ended up doing. So what does stand-up comedy mean to you? Stand-up comedy is very important to me. To me, my outlook on life is the nicest thing you can do for someone is make them laugh. Because when they're laughing, they're not thinking about any of the terrible things in their lives. so when you know I get people to come to my shows, they're giving me an hour of their lives, and the service I 'm providing is an escape from whatever you know is bringing them down, and hopefully I can make you laugh and make you smile, talk about the things that they love, you know video games and such, and you know not make fun of them because <laughs> nerds are gentle or fragile people. And, you know, let them know that their world is funny. (laughs) Uh, There was a a great quote. I forget who said it, but laughter is the recognition that you are safe. You're laughing with a group of people. It's like, oh, we all get this, and we're all safe, and no one's going to kill us. So I I always liked that outlook on things. (laughs)
1: Well, you could say the same thing about
0: dancing. Well, (laughs) that's true. I guess you could say that. But I feel that nerds specifically are a group of people that are usually ostracized and picked on. I mean, it's, it's always a special feeling when, you know, someone says that they've played the same video game as you. And you're like, oh, you've played this? Oh, it's so good. To then bring all those people in the same room and, you know, have these, like, very obscure jokes and have everyone laugh. Like, oh, my God, everyone gets this. It's just a really good feeling of community. So what would you say inspires you? Basically, I just want everyone to be happy. That's, that's my biggest inspiration is the chance that I get to go out there and, and just kind of do my thing and be accepted for it is great. The one message that we keep trying to kind of get out to people is nerds have this feeling that, because uh, I know I went through this as well is that there's a moment where you have to kind of grow up and give up on nerd stuff. And I, I always hated that mentality of kind of like, you know, you need to grow up and stop playing video games. And then it slowly dawned on me that, like, the kids who football, well like, football was their hobby when they were kids, were never told, hey, you need to grow up and stop watching football. It's like, no, they're still watching football, so why do I have to give up my thing. So the message I tried to get out to the kids that I talk to when I'm doing comedy is grow up does not mean grow out. You you still need to grow up and take responsibility for things and, you know, understand like, you know what? I don't have time to play my video games, but when you have free time, (laughs) go ahead and play them. You don't need to grow out of the things you love. To grow up.
1: That's a beautiful message, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all philosophical on us. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm, t- I'm super philosophical. That's like, that's... Really, what I want to do is build connections with my audience and just people. One of the best experiences I had, I did a show called Necocon in Virginia. And basically, they booked us and they said, What can you do for the show? And I was like, Well, you know, we do a lot of different things. Here's a list of all the shows we do because, like, we do the dating game sometimes, uh, we have a couple game shows we do, and, like, informational panels. Well, in the end, they ended up booking us for 16 hours of programming in a weekend. They were like, all right, we're going to do 16 hours. That's that's fine. We can we can do this. And uh, we ended up having one of our panels where we just kind of talked to the crowd. And like more people wanted to talk to us. So we ended up saying, okay, we have to go eat. But we'll <laughs> do an extra panel outside in the hallway, just kind of like picking up where we left off. At one o'clock, if you guys want to come, be sure to be there. And we went and ate, and we came back, and there was like, you know, 20 or some people that were willing to just kind of hang out in the hallway and have discussions about things. And that that is one of my favorite moments that I have. It's one of my favorite shows, air quotes, because it was just kind of people like, hey, let's hang out and like figure out what it is to be a nerd for a while. <laughs> and, and how we're going <laughs> to adapt to society. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I, I believe society starts with you, so screw society.
0: <laughs> Did you just tell me to go screw myself? That was a really clever way of saying that. Society starts with you. Screw society.
1: Huh. Well, you're just the starting point for it. Everybody, everybody else can just get in line. All right. Uh, so... Uh, Was comedy a new thing for you, or was it something that you had growing up? How did it really come about for you?
0: Uh, The the story behind it was—this is super cheesy, so get ready. When I was a very little boy, I want to say when I was like five years old, uh, I remember being in bed and hearing my parents laugh. So I got out of bed, and I went over into the living room to see what they were watching. And uh, my mom yelled at me, no, you can't watch this. This is not for you. Get out of here. Do not watch this. And I was like, okay. And I remember turning and looking at the screen and kind of like taking this mental image of what I saw. And then I went back to bed. A couple years later, I was going to say I'm like 10, 12 years old. I remember going through our cabinet that had all our like blank VHSs in it. And we had stacks and stacks of these. And I was like, I have no idea what's on half of these. So I decided I was just going to watch all of them. So I sat there just watching these tapes and it was like, oh, it's an episode of Blossom we taped for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, And then I found this tape and it was what my parents were watching that night. And it was Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer. And I loved it. I didn't understand all of it, but (laughs) I loved it. And I remember just thinking how cool it was that this guy was up there basically alone and everyone was paying attention to him and everyone was having a good time. So I was like, you know what? I'd really like to do that thing. I'd really (laughs) like it if, you know, everyone paid attention to me and I had something important to say. How about that idea? So that's how I, I got obsessed with comedy, started like really listening to different comics and, you know, eventually deciding I got to get up there and do this eventually. (laughs) So uh, how was it received by your family when you started? Oh, my family was super supportive about comedy. Uh, I was always very responsible, though. It's ne- I never got to the point where it's like, moving to New York, I got $40, I'm sure I'll be fine. I had uh, I have a lot of like backup plans and things like that. But uh, my parents are super, super supportive. They have no problems going to my shows that are an hour away and listening to me talk about my penis uh, in front of people. So they've always been super supportive, which is has been very, very helpful.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. I, You know, I, I love the idea that you have backup plans because I'm a big proponent of, of going in for your dream, but doing it with both eyes open and mm-hmm. really having always having a backup plan, escape route, something.
0: Yeah. Th- one of the, the panels we do is called Making Your Nerd Dream Job a Reality, where we kind of just sit down and we talk to people, you know, people who want to, you know, make goofy hats or do podcasting or make movies and or video games and we kind of sit down with them and we talk to them like about how to do it. And the most common issue that people keep coming to me with is uh you know, I'm never going to give up my dream. I will do anything to just keep my dream alive. I was like, "Really? Will you get a job?" And they're like, "No, I'm going to do this job." I was like, "No, no, no. Sometimes you have to get the job that lets you do the job you want. Because if this isn't paying the bills, sometimes you gotta go, you know, sell some phones at Radio Shack, like I used to. (laughs) Which, which, by the way, super weird thing I just want to bring up. I've had many jobs over my life. I've been recognized as a stand-up comedian a few times. I also used to be a wrestling referee. I've been (laughs) recognized for that way more times than comedy. But... I've been recognized the most as, hey, you used to work at Radio Shack, right? And I don't know why. I don't know why everyone at Radio Shack's like, ah, you sold me some batteries. <laughs> I also tell jokes on the weekends.
1: <laughs> so what steps did you take to get started once you decided, hey, comedy is for me. I got to have more of this. Where did you get started?
0: What i what I like to say in my panel is uh, if you want to be a lawyer, All you have to do is get on the road to being a lawyer. You know where to start. You see all the obstacles ahead, and you just head that way. If you want to be a comedian, it's like being dropped off in the forest. And you know success is somewhere, but you have no idea where or how to get to it. So it's a lot of just like... Well, let's do this tomorrow, and maybe people will enjoy this. So uh, me and the rest of my comedy group, which is Will, Liam, and Vegas Lancaster, we just get together, and we sit down, and we're like, So I have a really stupid idea. Let's do a game show where all the contestants are on chat roulette. That sounds dumb. (laughs) I think people would like that. Let's do that. So we've been doing that show for two years now. (laughs) Chat roulette smarts. Uh, So it's a lot of just like, I don't know if this will work. Let's try it. Uh, (laughs) I mean, 80% of stand-up comedy is failure. It is failure all the time. Just every time I get on stage, I have the new joke that I'm going to tell and might not work at all, and I will have to deal with people staring at me (laughs) just like, I don't get this guy. (laughs) So it's, it's a lot of just like... Let's try some more. Let's try this now.
1: Glutton for punishment.
0: Basically, yeah, that's a really good way to, to, to think of this.
1: So along your road of glutton for punishment, yeah, yes, is, in is,
0: glutton. glutton gluttony? gluttony, gluttony for punishment. There you go, gluttony.
1: What's the biggest roadblock you've hit along the
0: way? The biggest roadblock I've hit is easily doubt. Because one of the, the worst experiences I ever had was I had an audition at the Borgata in Atlantic City. And basically they are going to have me do stand-up. And it had to be 10 minutes long. And, uh, you know, if I did really well, they'd make me a regular. And I was like, oh, this is, this is huge. This is the most important thing that has ever happened to me ever. So I spent a solid, like, three months just crafting this 10-minute set that I was going to do. And in my infinite wisdom at the time, I thought the best plan would be to to start with jokes, like normal stand-up comedy jokes, then sit down and take a book out and read one-liners. Then stand up again and hit my closer, and it'd be an amazing show. And this way, everyone will see how diverse I am and all the skills I have. This is going to go great. So I start... Doing jokes. I should also say, you you may remember I said I'm a nerd comedian. Uh, at the Regatta the the average age of an audience member is about 85. So I'm up there in a flash T-shirt, and nobody's on board. <laughs> so I was up there and like I'm doing stuff about like Jesus, and nobody wants to laugh because like they're gonna meet him soon, so they don't want to <laughs> offend him. And uh, I'm like, okay, this is going okay. Time to hit these one-liners. So I sit down and I said something stupid like, If this was an Aerosmith concert, this would be the I don't want to miss a thing segment of the show. And I start reading these terrible one-liners that I barely remember. It was something like, So my newspaper is having a contest looking for the most humble person in town. I didn't enter, so I won. Yeah, awesome, right? Uh, I want to breed a pig and a snake. This way it'll shed bacon. Not even a joke, just a weird thought. So by the time I hit my third one, the sound guy starts playing rim shots after everything. And I'm totally thrown off. And I'm like, all right, just ignore it. I do another one. There's another rim shot. I'm like, all right, bail. And I get up and I'm like, all let right, right, let's, let's do some other jokes. And as I'm setting up for my next joke, the sound guy plays cricket noises. Just so I know how quiet the audience is at that moment. So I panic. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, time to go into my closer. Just so I can, like, get a big laugh and things will go good. I do my big closer. It's filthy. Uh, it gets kind of a laugh. And I look down. I still have two minutes I have to do. So I hit my best big joke. And I was like, so what else can we talk about? Ah So after that set, I just felt miserable, and I was just like, I'm not funny. I I have now failed in front of everybody. There's no way I can continue doing this. I probably disappeared for a month from doing comedy. And then every time I went to do comedy, in my mind it was, you got to prove that you're funny. you got to do well this time. You have to do well. And then I did poorly for another two months because I started doing that. (laughs) <laughs> and then I finally had the show where I was like, man, I don't care. I just want to go home. And I got up there and I screwed around and killed. And I was like, oh, right. Comedy's fun. Ah, I forgot all about how fun comedy was. And then I was back on the horse. So, like, soon as that doubt, like, crept in and it stopped being fun and it started being like, you're ruining your life. <laughs> and I was like... All right, now I'm back on board. Now we can keep going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, self-doubt is is a very powerful thing, and it can even lead to depression. And before you know it, like, you're, you know, 500 pounds and Mm -hmm. not wanting to do anything.
0: And the other big thing about comedy is all comedy, in a way, is... uh, you know, attacking yourself and kind of like exposing yourself to the audience and being vulnerable. I'm not whipping my dick out. Uh, (laughs) It's just this weird kind of like, you know, here's my true feelings about this. And there's a weird feeling when you're like, I think this is funny. Uh, So I've been suicidal recently. Oh, no one's laughing. Oh, I just said I was suicidal in front of people. Oh, I'm just going to sit down. (laughs) This is terrible.
1: No, I I could see. it. Uh, I mean, failure is a, a great part of everything, and and sometimes the best part because that's where you get to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't fail, you're not you're not learning. Absolutely. Anything. I mean, you could be naturally talented, but chances are you're probably not Jesus, and you're probably not perfect. So, <laughs>
0: probably, yeah,
1: probably. I mean, there's, uh, you, you know, never know. There's that guy down in like Puerto Rico that's, uh, that's Jesus. Who knows? You know, he says he's a reincarnation, so he's probably perfect. <laughs> but, but uh. Well, I mean, what would you say your biggest disappointment has been so far with comedy?
0: My biggest disappointment, I guess, comes from the disconnect between comedians and regular people. Uh, I mean, I don't mean to to sound offensive or anything like that. No, not at all.
1: You're just a comedian.
0: But, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) But, like, there's a lot of people that don't quite understand what goes into being a comedian. But they think they do, so they expect so much out of you. Because, like, I have people come up to me all the time. And they're like, Why do you do shows for free? I was like, Well, sometimes I just need to say my jokes out loud to audiences to make sure that they work. It's like, Ah, you should be getting paid for that. Or they'll come see me and they're like, Why is it the same joke? So I was like, Because it's hard. I've been trying to write new jokes they haven't been working. This is in front of people who are also not you that haven't seen me before. So, I'm going to do the funny stuff. Like there's this weird pressure of when they see like Louis CK who is the greatest comic right now. Uh whenever they see Louis CK, he's got something new. However, they're not seeing Louis CK every day. <laughs> it's not like he comes out with a new hour every day. So, you know, people that that don't quite understand the way comedy works, and especially when they book me and they're like, it's just it's a guy standing there. He's not going to need anything. So I have shown up to shows and it's like, we don't have a stage. We don't have a mic. So we just figured you'd be loud. The air conditioner's right above your head. And also the pool table is right next to you. And we're just going to let people play pool. And if people want to watch TVs, there's a TV on as well. But just do your funny joke fence. Leslie, no. I've been doing this for years. That's not going to work.
1: <laughs>
0: and when it doesn't, it's not going to be a reflection on me. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, uh, DJing uh, in bars and stuff like that, dealing with those kinds of similar types of things, where it's like you wish people were coming there to see not just me, but the DJ, you yeah. know, like not specific DJ, but any DJ and what they have to bring to the table, and it, people don't care. Nope. <laughs> because there's hey TV, yeah, am <laughs> you know, like oh, was, oh there's the pool game going on. Yeah, it, it,
0: the the biggest bummer is is realizing how little people care.
1: <laughs> yeah, at that point, just bring your own megaphone and yeah. just
0: be like I deal with the, Well, that's actually what I started doing. Is I realized that I couldn't rely on the venue to do anything. So whenever I go anywhere, I always have my equipment with me. So I went out and I got two speakers, I got a board, I got music. I was like, I'm not. I'm too big to fail. I got all the stuff. (laughs) This is happening.
1: So if you could be mentored by anybody for an afternoon, living or dead, who would it be?
0: So I have an afternoon with this person. Instinctively, I want to say Chris Hardwick, just because I've been ripping him off forever. I mean, (laughs) like, well, Chris Hardwick is the nerd comedian right now. And he does a, he started a podcast out of a comic book store, and I was like, "I'm doing the same thing." It worked for him. Pretty soon, I'll be hosting after shows. Uh, so that—that's immediately where my mind like wants to go. But if I really think about it, like someone that I like, I really look up to, and I really think could help me, it's going to be a little bit out there. But Pendulette is one of my heroes. Just everything, if you've ever listened to a podcast he's been on, the way he pulled off what he's done so far is insanity. It's just like, it's it's that similar idea of like, I have this really weird idea. Do you think we could do a car trick with a forklift? I think we can. Well, let's just do it. Like, that idea is just, it's so out there and... I've I've had friends that like meet him and he says that he's a super nice guy so uh, I, I'd love to pick his brain for well I'm one
1: long. of those friends because I oh, got yeah. to meet him in you Vegas met, yeah. oh did you I go met, to the monkey room n- the monkey no
0: oh see that my other friend that met him uh, told me that he takes him to the monkey room which is this room just full of bananas and stuff glued on the ceiling so
1: <laughs> no I met him out in the hallway after the show down when we were in Vegas and uh got to rub butts with him because it's cleaner than hands <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he, 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 was very, very nice. You know, we, me and my wife are huge fans. We mm-hmm. watched all the, you know, their shows and everything. Yep. He's just awesome. And and gigantic, on...
0: gigantic man.
1: Yeah. I was like, Whoa, I was like, I, I, you know, you think, uh, Teller's super short and he's, nope. he's like, he's as tall as me. <laughs> At like six two, so yeah. you know, I, I I would love to have either one of them or both on the show yeah. at some point. Uh, you know, if anybody listening can make that happen, that'd be amazing. Well,
0: you can just say you have Teller in in studio. <laughs> <laughs> then people will believe you.
1: I did just draw a bunch of pictures and then he's post like, them on. He's on nodding.
0: The he's agreeing. <laughs>
1: So you've already shared one favorite memory from your your dream of of being a comedian cuz you share another favorite memory.
0: I think the first time I ever did Otakon and we and we packed the room was one of the greatest things. For the listeners that don't know, Otakon is the biggest anime convention in, on the uh, East Coast. It's in Baltimore, Maryland every summer. And uh, we had a 700-seat room. And we filled it to the to the brim, like. And me, me and my partner Will were like, "Let's see if we can find more chairs," which we're not supposed to do. There's like a reason. There's that many chairs in there. In a room, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like, we slipped out this like back into this back hallway and found a stack of chairs, and we just threw them in there. And we're like, "We found five extra seats that nobody knew were here." So we just kept filling it and filling it. And we have this great, we're very rowdy when we do comedy. There's another comedian, Uncle Yo, who does something similar to me. It's a nerd comedian. And he's great. I'm not saying that that I'm better than him or anything like that. I love him to death. But he's very presentational, where you kind of sit back and enjoy the show. But when Plus Two Comedy goes on, we're running in the crowd. Like, we're talking to people mid-set. We're improv a lot. So, you know, we're a real rowdy crowd, so I love the the connections that we have with the audience. Actually, you know what? Actually, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I recently did a show at Zenkai Con, at, which is in Lancaster. We end our shows with a Q&A, and usually we say, you know, if you want to ask us about us, you can, but if you want to ask us who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman, we will answer that question. So usually we get, like, a lot of silly questions And uh, this girl raised her hand and said, how can I be as awesome as you? And I was like, yes, she thinks I'm awesome. That's great. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I walked over and I high fived her and I said, you can't. It's impossible. I'm the greatest. Uh, I was like, no. I was like, do you really want to be a comedian? She was like, yeah, I actually go into school in Philly. And I was like, oh, really? That's right around me. Here's my card. She's been coming to my open mic now. You know, every other week or so, wow. and just like working on comedy, I was like, I feel like I helped her be here. Yes, <laughs> <did>. that's good. <laughs> yes, helping take, people. Take credit, man. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> to me, I hate bragging. I don't like to brag. To me, I, I think being cocky is hilarious because I have no reason to be cocky. So whenever I'm being cocky, I'm always kidding. So, like, I'm bad at, at taking credit for stuff, I guess. <laughs> Humble, humble, humble. Look how <laughs> humble I am. I, yeah. I won that competition, did I tell you?
1: Yeah, I did. I <laughs> About did. being did. the most humble.
0: <laughs> I'm sure if I brought that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have a charity event going on soon, right?
0: Yeah, we're doing this big thing for uh, my podcast, the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. We do it at this place, Jester's Playhouse, which is a, not a video game store, but like a gaming store, like tabletop gaming, comic books, stuff like that. Uh, however, there is a, a big event October 25th, which is Extra Life Day, which is this charity, Extra Life, provides video games for children in hospitals. And they do a 24-hour gaming marathon. And you're supposed to you know, put it on Twitch and let people watch and people can sponsor you. Uh, we're going about it a little differently. Uh, me, Will, and Vegas have decided we're going to play th- three different games for 24 hours. If we cannot beat that game in the 24 hours, we'll donate $100 to charity for each game we cannot defeat. Now, as you're watching, if you want to donate money, we'll actually take handicaps. So if you want, you can spend $5 and make me do a shot of hot sauce... $10 Ten dollars, and I'll wear an eye patch for an hour, and you know, throw off my depth perception. Uh, so we're we're currently working on getting uh, what we're gonna play and uh, what our handicaps are gonna be, but uh, that's gonna stream. Online for 24 hours on October 25th, so we're currently working on that. And I know you're a gamer, so do, do you have a, a game you want to suggest? And yeah, I'll battle add it to toads. Battle toads. Uh, everyone's saying battle toads. Because it's hard
1: as hell. It's impossible. <laughs> it's and
0: literally, since people have been saying that, I started playing battle toads again, and I've gotten worse like because i was like it's short too it's only like four maps yeah it? it's
1: not that bad but the first map is easy so you're no already, the, come on <laughs> no the first it's the it's the it's the the jet bike thing the turbo tunnel. all right I, but the first like where you you get to that part that's the easy part
0: see that's what i was saying i was gonna say if i beat the turbo tunnel the game's beaten the, how, how about that and uh i played it recently and i couldn't get to the turbo tunnel Wow. I was like, this is bad.
1: Oh, wait, because there's the drop-down the thing. The drop-down before. thing,
0: I couldn't beat it. Uh, I used to be great yeah. at it. And I was just now I can't do anything. You grew up. That was the I, problem. I shouldn't have grown up. <laughs> a lot of people are saying Battletoads, a lot of people are saying uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has come up a lot. That's how you uh, game
1: It's really tough.
0: Couple people are saying Slender or something uh frightening, because I'm really bad at scary games. <laughs> so <laughs> uh so, yeah. It's got to be possible to be done in 24 hours. That's the only real rule. But, like, people are saying E.T. on the Atari. A couple of votes for Contra have come in.
1: Contra's not that hard to beat, I don't and think. If oh, you don't no. use the
0: code. But,
1: well, it's not that hard to beat it, but Rampage. Because it just goes on. Oh, and Rampage on. I beat it once. Forever. Have you ever have beat
0: it? it? I have beaten yeah, Rampage. One time. Me too. <laughs> and, but, like, the, the difficulty of Rampage is you get to a point where you're like, are we still playing this game (laughs) oh god it just goes on forever
1: the replayability is there man yeah that's not a bad but it's not hard that's the thing
0: it's not hard we're looking for games that are like also like fun to watch Uh, a lot of people are saying mega man 2 so we're probably gonna end up doing mega man 2 Tough game. Uh, a lot of people are saying super meat boy and uh i want to be the guy so we'll see what happens with those (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a big thing that we're going to try to roll out soon.
1: You know what? If you wanted to do a board game, that game, was it Pandemic?
0: Oh, Pandemic. I it's love It's really pandemic. hard to win
1: in the Pandemic. So, I... it might be a good option.
0: We were actually at a convention in Baltimore. And, like I said, I like to be with the people. So, we're doing shows and we're like, hey, after this, let's all go play board games. And they're like, yeah, board game for Plus Two Comedy. And we ended up playing Pandemic. And it was me, my partner, Will, who I don't, I don't, well, I'm not married to Will. I keep saying he's my partner, but he's my partner in comedy. (laughs) And uh, these two other people from the con. And we just kind of start playing. We're having a good time. And literally these flock of people just come around us like, are you winning pandemic right now? We're like, yeah. It's like, you must be playing wrong. And they all just stood around and made sure we weren't cheating. We won. We won Pandemic. It was my first time ever playing. But like people were furious because they're like, I've never won this game before. It's like, eh, sorry. <laughs> Curing diseases and stuff. <laughs> Saving the world. Yeah. It happens sometimes. <laughs> the world gets saved.
1: You and Superman. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> so so
0: uh, one more time. Where, where can people find out and the date? And uh, the, the It'll be, I believe it's from 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock in the morning. We start October 25th, and it's going to go to the 26th. Uh, we're Plus Two Comedy on Twitch, so you can look at us through there. You can also like us on Facebook. All the information will be rolled out there, what games you're playing, what the handicaps are going to be, how to donate. So be sure to like us on Facebook. We're Plus Two Comedy.
1: Awesome. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. Yes. And this episode will definitely be out before then. Excellent.
0: Excellent. That's what I was hoping. <laughs> so, so, what do your dream show future look like? Basically, we're, we've been doing the podcast now, and there's like a list of just dream guests I want to get on this podcast. I'd love to have Kevin Smith on. And then there, there's like the nerd celebrities that most people don't know. Like, I'd love to have Kirby Crackle on, who's my favorite nerd uh, musician. You know, I'd love to have, I'd love to have Will Wheaton on, you know, just, there's a lot of people I want to meet and things like that. And, uh, basically I just, I'd love to get to a point, I, I guess this is kind of a strange goal. I'd love to get to a point where I could write an autobiography that people would want to read. That's like really the, the goal is to, it's to live a life worth people knowing about. I'd like to finish the other book I'm writing. <laughs> But that's hard. <laughs> Writing a book is the hardest thing. <laughs> just do comedy, kids. Don't try to write a book. <laughs> it's so hard. When it comes to goals to the future, it's so... It sounds so absent-minded to say, I want to be successful. Because it's like, well, what is that? How are you going to do it? It's like, no, I just I want to be successful. And success to me is defined as the people who my material reaches resonates with them and if and i, I told a lot of people this is like uh you you will be successful once you define success and make it your goal and my definition of success was having people understand and enjoy what i'm doing and it's and it's i mean that you don't get food off that <laughs> It's very rare you get food off that, but I I have a lot of people that, you know, across the country and like when I leave a con, there's usually one person that I meet and they'll keep in contact with me over Facebook. And I love that. And like, there's, there's my buddy Leon who's like, I'm, I just went to LA. I'm going to film school. I, you know, I really enjoyed your stuff and you guys inspired me to do that. Uh, hope it works out for you. (laughs) Yeah. That's like, in three years, it's just going to be people like, you ruined my life. I thought I could do something. Uh, How dare you inspire me? Uh, But, you know, that to me is is truly successful. Because I'm talking to a lot of kids, and I feel so old saying that. But, like, the people that I, I tend to be doing comedy for are, you know, still in high school, and me and Will used to always make a joke. It's like, all right, this is great. How can we get a job doing this? And the the fact that we can go out there and kind of inspire people to, you know, maybe I will give this a try. And, you know, and I let them know. I was like, you might fail. To deal with it, that's part of the journey. Uh, <laughs> the fact that I do have the people that are like, I think what you're doing is really cool. I want to get into this. You know, that's that's success to me. It's all about that chain reaction.
1: I I love the idea of making the measurement and and being very defined in it. Yeah. So that it's not like, oh, well, it's this, but it's also this. But Mm. I mean, it kind of, it probably is deep down, but like setting a hard goal and saying, okay, Mm. I just want to resonate with people. And, Mm. and, you know, money might come, food might come later. Yeah. You know? Uh, And that's, I think that's that's just Mm. awesome, man. Yeah.
0: The next big project is we need a new DVD. Our DVD is getting a little old. And uh, the plan is, we realize that our crowd doesn't see the value of a DVD if they've just seen us perform. It's like, well, I just saw it. I don't really want to spend $10 on your cool DVD. So we're we're working on trying to make the DVD special. So right now, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but right now the goal is is to film our next DVD in a prison. Uh, just because we thought it was hilarious that we love the movie Airheads <laughs> and their first CD of the the Lone Rangers is live from prison. I was like, well, what if we did plus two comedy live from prison? So we're trying to get in contact with Eastern State Penitentiary, the haunted prison. We're like, let's just do a comedy show there because that makes no sense. People want to see that. Maybe we'll die. People want to see that. <laughs>
1: As long as you YouTube it. Yeah,
0: so it was like, hey, it's worth a try. Let's go. Uh, so, And that's basically our motto is, this is worth trying, right? Yeah. Let's go.
1: <laughs> yeah, diving diving headfirst in is generally the way I go about things. That's how yeah. the, sh- the show got started. Yeah. I and mean, within two weeks of con- conception, it was it was being put out. And, yeah. and here we are all these months later, so...
0: See, well, you are following all the rules that I set out when I do my panels. It's like, if you're going to make something, make sure you have a nice backlog. Don't just be like, first episode's done. The world must see this. And I was like, no, no, no. You're just going to wear yourself out. Make sure you have that lovely backlog. It's like, okay, I can can now put stuff out for two weeks. All right. Now I can just build off of that, slowly put it out. All right, things are good now. So...
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, this show runs about 30 episodes out, so... Yeah. I don't know if that was a secret, but now it's not. So, <laughs> so welcome to the Circle of Trust. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> welcome to the Circle of Trust. Internet, tell no one.
1: No, please, tell everyone. Really, no, I'm sorry, tell everyone. Everyone needs to know this. Um, so, no. Uh, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share?
0: Well, like I say, grow up, don't grow out. Let your nerd flag uh, fly, because being a nerd, they say, is, is no longer a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing, but I, I do think that we have our discrimination. I don't know if that's the word, but the stigmas that go with being a nerd, they still exist. And the, the best thing you can do is not be afraid of them. On my podcast, we've talked a few times about like nerd fear. Because we've had guests on. We always do a segment where it's like, uh, what have you been reading? Is, is like this thing that we do. And we just kind of talk about stuff. And uh, we've had people come on and they're like, well, I've been reading, you know, about the ways of the Buddha. And, you know, I, I've been just searching for enlightenment, doing a lot of uh, meditation and things like that. And I'm sitting there going, I'm going to talk about a Batman comic in like five minutes. And it's got to be like, like I had this like weird, like this person's going to judge me. This is going to be, and I was like, you know what? Forget about the nerd fear. I'm just going to say, Hey, I read this Batman comic. It was awesome. The Joker came out. This happened, this happened, this happened. And guess what? If you're passionate about it and you talk about it in a way that's not like monopolizing the conversation, it's just as interesting (laughs) As the ways of the Buddha. So, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, let it fly. Talk about the things you're passionate about. Don't forget to listen because it's rough when you do all the talking. Uh, so make sure you listen. Uh, but, you know, let that nerd flag fly. Be proud of who you are. Don't think that it's wrong for having uh, a a desire or enjoying of enjoyment of things. Because I I got into a little bit of an argument recently where someone was saying that I should get into sports because when, you know, the Eagles win the Super Bowl, it will be the greatest feeling for just all of our fans. I was like, oh, I get that. That's how I feel when I watch the Spider-Man movie and he punches the bad guy in the face. I'm like, yeah, Spider-Man. It's the same thing. It's just a different medium of, and like, we should not be judging each other just because, you know, mine's fictional and yours is a competition. It's the thing that makes me excited and that I enjoy. So if you enjoy it, enjoy it. Still be responsible. Still be an adult. But, I mean... You decide how you make that money when you make them or how you spend that money. Once you make the money, if you have money left over and you want to get a video game, get it, enjoy it. You deserve it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's been a wonderful time having you on the show. I'd love for you you. to plug everything all over again.
0: Okay. Uh, really quick, uh, check out plus two comedy.com. It's currently broken. So it'll be exciting. Every time you go that maybe it'll work this time. Uh, But we're having our issues with that. You can also check out the Plus Two Comedy Podcast. Uh, It's on Podbean, but you can also check it out on Stitcher Radio, Podcastland.com. And also, of course, iTunes. Uh, we have a lot of fantastic guests on there, so be sure to check that out. It's uh, it's a little crazier than this here show, but uh, if you enjoy me, check that out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, also, we're doing that uh, extra life day is October 25th. If you'd like to take part of it in it, please check us out. We're plus two comedy on Twitch. And you can follow along as we try to beat our three video games and also deal with whatever things that you throw at us. If you want to like us on Facebook, again, Plus Two Comedy, check that out. You can suggest the games that we're going to play, the handicaps that we have, or just say hi, because I like talking to people. Uh, I'm also at TV's Noah on uh, Twitter. If you want to follow my Twitter, do a little web stalking. I also do a weekly show at the Taproom Bar and Grill in Haddonfield, New Jersey. And uh, it's an open mic, so it's a lot of new comics, so be sure to come check that out. We also run a monthly showcase out of there, so be sure to come check those out. And uh, come see us at your local comic book or anime convention.
1: De- definitely. I, actually, I was just thinking I might like to give you a hand with your uh, October twenty fifth event. Oh really? I, would, I gotta check my calendar, but I think. Please do. If I'm free, I would love to come help. You know, please do, because I, I don't
0: know how to do it. I've been talking to everybody. <laughs> I was like, "This is what we're going to do." That sounds awesome. I was like, "Okay, what do we? How do we stream? What is the?" I don't know exactly how this is going to work, uh, but, you know, we have a lot of people that are really interested. Uh, we're kind of going to run it like a telethon, so, like, we're going to try to have, like, guests come in and play a little bit with us. So, you're more than welcome to come.
1: That would be amazing.
0: So, I, it should be a lot of fun. If
1: you're looking for a host, I could be... I don't know about all 24 hours, but I could be... <laughs> yeah, there. I it understand. It is a Saturday, right? It is a Saturday. Okay, it is a Saturday. I'm probably good.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, it's going to be a blast. and And it's at a comic book shop, so... Come and learn some uh, some great tabletop games. You know, play some uh, Yu Gi Oh or some uh, <laughs> Warhammer. We play a lot of that at the shop, so be sure to check that out. That's five four five Tilton Road in Northfield, New Jersey. It's Jester's Playhouse.
1: Sweet. All right. Well, I'd love to have you on the show in like six months to a year to yeah. follow up and see how
0: you're going. That that's gonna be what eight hundred episodes from now of this uh, show
1: well, well we'll see uh, you know maybe it'll be a little bit soon maybe after you know what let's follow up after the event
0: okay that sounds How good does that sound that sounds great
1: that's not six months from now
0: <laughs> no <laughs> that's right around the corner of course, by the time
1: that comes out it might be a lot longer from now but we'll see what we can do about that yeah, there so might be a sure little bit of that. magic up at the sleeve sounds good all right. Well, thank you very much. It's been a, more than a pleasure to have you on the show, Noah. I'm really Thanks appreciate you coming to the, the studio and mm-hmm. just having a great time.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers podcast, please send an email to j at co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jparr.co.